let's start with uh, TJ Finley. So he was he went 17 for 21, 265 yards, threw two touchdowns, and added another one on the ground. What were your impressions from him on Saturday? First off, thank you again for having me on the podcast, man. Um, his though, TJ Finley, a uh, true freshman quarterback, probably could have played too much better than uh, he actually did in his first ever uh, college start. I mean, I covered TJ Finley in, in high school. The first story I ever did professionally was on TJ Finley when he was at Pontchartula High School, which is here in Louisiana. And, uh, I mean, it's it's really night and day what he looked like. I mean, he always had the big arm. He was always a big brain. And, you know, at that time, we knew he was going to LSU, but uh, he managed to slim himself down quite a bit to be able to play the position a little bit better. The entire week coming into conversation was that he was a guy that um, was not very mobile, but, you know, they used him eight times rushing the football as well. But, you know, like you said, the biggest asset he had over the week was that he's passing. Um, Steve Ensminger, the offense coordinator for LSU, um, did a fantastic job being able to get a true freshman quarterback into getting himself um, more comfortable on the field. I mean, that first drive, they drive 75 yards in 16 plays, and you know, he most of it was rushing the football, just you know, allowing TJ Finley to feel himself a little bit. A lot of short throws, and um, although TJ Finley has the ability to throw a long ball, the, the the game plan was to get him comfortable. And throughout the game, he managed to get more comfortable. He started to play more football, and you know, it's the game he's been playing his whole life. But I guess impressions wise, I, mean, I was just really impressed with you know just the the confidence that he had. I mean, freshman starting quarterback in his first SEC start, first start ever. Um, and you're playing Tiger Stadium in Death Valley, like, and and it's in it's, it's a week where, in a year where the, the the team is missing certain players, you've been asked to kind of rush in and do a job that you know you maybe not didn't anticipate you know having to do for another year, maybe two years. So, um, I couldn't you you couldn't ask for much more from TJ Family just from that perspective. He made all the right throws. The only mistake that he did make was on that interception, and from my vantage point, it looked like the throw was more of a miscommunication than him actually making a poor decision because maybe the wide receiver had run the wrong routes and maybe TJ thought he was going somewhere else. And that's not something that was necessarily TJ's fault. It's, you know, more the aspect of he hasn't been in his offense for as long and um, he doesn't have the same relationship with wide receivers as starting quarterback Miles Brennan does. But um, TJ Finley, man, just really showed out over the weekend. And, you know, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him. And, you know, he's he seemed to have uh, raised some sort of a – it makes you feel good about the quarterback position going forward at LSU and a position where before last year with Joe Burrow, many people believe this is a, kind of a dying spot at LSU. No, I agree, yeah. Everything you said. He, he looked very comfortable out there. He didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to be Miles Brennan. He didn't try to be Joe Burrow. He just went out there and he was TJ Finley. It was really impressive because he hadn't attempted, a, like you said, first start. He hadn't even attempted a pass at this point. And he went in there and he was excellent. There's so let me let me get your uh, your thoughts. There's no quarterback controversy, right? In LSU, it's it's Miles Brennan's no, job. Not at all. I mean, and they asked they asked the coach uh, over the after the after um, after the game. And, you know, thankfully I didn't. I knew the question had to be asked. I didn't want to be the guy that had to ask. <laughs> so thankfully somebody bit the bullet and had to take the take the bullet there because coach had responded. He's like, well, maybe there's a controversy to you, but to us, there's no controversy. Okay, Miles Brennan's our starting quarterback. And, for a good reason. I mean, over the first three games of the season, Miles Brennan has played very well. He's had the best start for a first-time starter in LSU history. The first three games, he threw over over 300 yards. He's over 1,100 yards passing already. I think 11 touchdowns. Um, and you know, the 
there's been this overreaction to maybe have TJ Finley be the starter going forward, mostly because LSU won and in the way they won, okay? But, I mean, the game plan at one was very different for TJ. I mean, Miles knows the offense better, so he can open up more things. Um, he's got the big arm, and, you know, all things considered, Miles Brennan has played very well. I mean, they've put up a lot of points. The only issue is the defense this week decided to actually show up. The difference there is the fact that, you know, the defensive coordinator, uh, Bo Pelini, they brought in this year, who's really had a lot of uh, – he's been slandered quite a bit recently just because of how bad the defense has been playing. The defense decided to show up decided to simplify things a little bit more for this team, and it's allowed the players to actually play a little bit more. And, you know, they still have plenty of work to do. I mean, a lot of big plays, a lot of home run balls that this defense gave up. But, I mean, that's the only difference, that that's why they ended up winning the game. So, I mean, there is no quarterback controversy. Miles Brennan will be the starter. He will continue to be the starter. But at the end of the day, Coach did also say that, you know, if, let's say if Miles really, really starts to struggle or, you know, saying he, they, they don't, they have to feel pretty good knowing TJ's behind him. And Max Johnson, who is now the third string, also another true freshman quarterback, also played pretty well in his couple of snaps that he had on the field as well. So, um, in that situation. So, Coach O feels good about who he has in that quarterback room. And, I mean, LSU fans have to feel pretty good about the future of that quarterback room as well. Yeah, that was yeah, that was my takeaway. Miles Brennan's the guy. There's there's no question about it. But now they have more confidence going forward that they if something does happen to Miles Brennan down the line that they have a capable backup now, which was a huge question mark going into the season. One thing that I thought was a difference this week is that the running game got going. They came to the the game 13th in the SEC in rushing. Uh, Davis Price goes for 135. Emory goes for 88 yards, so when that gets going, the rest of the offense gets going. When you're able to run the ball, it also helps out your defense. So, um, talk to me about these receivers. So, I believe that Terrace Marshall is the best receiver in the country. There's there's no question about it. Nine touchdowns this year. Um, but we're starting to see other guys start to step up at the position. I know Eric Gilbert didn't have the game that he had in previous weeks, but he's still a reliable pass catcher. Jare Jenkins starts to step up. Coy Moore, the freshman, has the best game that he's had at LSU. What were your impressions from that group? Well, first, I do want to touch on the running back group that you mentioned. I mean, following the game, you know, we, we talked to John Emery, who um, <laughs> ended up coming to LSU after he committed from Georgia and most of this whole thing. I mean, him, him, he was supposed to be one of the top, you know, running backs in the whole, in the country last year when he came in just as a true freshman. I mean, just. And he played well, and so did Ty Davis Price, the local product right here in Baton Rouge. But, you know, this year um, there has been some issue because a couple of games ago they did not – they were not able to get any any push on the offensive line. They couldn't run the ball at all. So um, there was a major focus this week to prove to not only this team but to prove the rest of the country that they can run the football. And naturally you've got Ty Davis Price and, and uh, John Emery both have the ability, both scored long touchdowns. They were pretty even in their snaps. And then you also have – the third guy and Chris Curry, who, if not for an injury, would be the starter um, for the Tigers at the running back position as well. He wears the coveted number 18, which means he's the one of the biggest leaders on this team. And um, he's also a very good running back. And they all have different, I guess, abilities. Ty Davis Price, more of a loser. John Emery, more of a home run hitter. Chris Curry kind of in between. But um, the running back room, like you said, is it's, it, that's made a huge impact. And, you know, they'll continue to be used, but I don't think it'll be in the same way with Miles Brennan at the top. Now, mind, so and the reason for that is because Miles Brennan can throw to these receivers. You mentioned Terrace Marshall. Kid has been unbelievable. I mean, he's been on a pace that's like no other. And I think the 
the thing that stood out to me, I mean, obviously you see the production and you see the two touchdowns. And once again, and this is the, he, he now has tied the record for most consecutive games um, with two touchdown catches in a row. I think it dates back to his last three games for sure, last four games this season. So um, he does that one more time. He breaks the SEC record and stands himself alone on top of everybody else. But um, obviously he played really well. But I think what's really, you know, stood out to me about him is that, you know, he – Naturally, the, all the headlines he- heading into the season from the wide receivers this year are going to beat on Jamar Chase, who was unbelievable last year, the uh, Belitnikoff winner, and he decided to opt out. Uh, and so Terrace Marshall, you know, who has wide receiver one ability, had to step up into that position. And I think one thing I saw from him this weekend is he has more of an alpha dog mentality than I even knew. Um, you, you can see him jawing with the with, with the cornerbacks that uh, um, South Carolina had, and those are guys that you know, some of them are going to be headed to the NFL pretty easily and, and can really cover, but, you know, there was a lot of conversation, a lot of jawing with back and forth, and he showed more of an alpha dog mentality that I didn't really know he had, more personality. He's the nicest guy in the world. He's really soft-spoken, but, you know, on the field, he's a dog, and he's told us when he goes out there, he wants to kill whoever's in front of him, which is really interesting to hear from him because he kind of whispers, so it's like, I don't want to kill anybody that's in front of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so definitely different, but yeah, so he's played really well, and you know, like you said, Coy Moore and um, Jeray Jenkins are both guys that have kind of stepped up as well. And, you know, this wide receiver room is in a good position and they feel pretty strongly about who they have. And, um, you know, I think that they've done a good job of working with Miles and I guess TJ as well to make sure there's some of that chemistry that they've had. But at the end of the day, Terrace Marshall is, might be the best, you know, wide receiver in the country, or at least top five, top three. I mean, just from a production standpoint, just from ability to run routes, just size and, you know, at this point, I feel like I could throw a touchdown to, to Terrace Marshall. It makes it a lot easier when you've got a player like him out on the field. All right. So you already touched on the defense. Let's go back to that. They had a couple of freshmen. We talked about the freshmen on offense that stepped up. They had freshmen on defense also step up. Uh, BJ Ojaliri has three sacks. Elias Ricks gets his third interception in four games. He takes this one to the house. Um, the secondary looked a lot better. What, were, what do you think was the biggest difference this week? I mentioned a little bit earlier, so Bo Pelini, who is the defense coordinator, has been under a lot of scrutiny. So the big thing about him is, is, is the big reason that a lot of the scrutiny it kind of comes from the expectations that Coach Ogeron and players on the defense kind of put on themselves. They said before the season that right now, like the week before the game, they said right now our defense is better right now than at any point last season. Last season they won the national championship, and then they come out and <laughs> uh, air raid offense and KJ Costello in his first game, the SEC throws for over 600 yards and breaks the SEC taxing record. Like, it's not a good look. You know, and Missouri, once again, gashes them for a whole bunch of yards and they lose that game. And, I mean, Coach O wanted this defensive shift because they wanted to go to more of a 4 3 attacking style and be more aggressive up front, be able to get more push up front because they know they have the DBs to be able to guard. And um, now it seems like they've started to kind of lock in a little bit more. There seemed to have been a little bit of, I guess, distrust between the uh, maybe some of the coaches and maybe some of the players and they, they weren't moving as freely and you know there was a huge you know I guess emphasis to simplify the playbook and just make things more simple less checks less things they have to kind of worry about on the field so they can just get in their position and rely on their instincts to be able to play football and you know at the end of the day when you and they always talk about it if you know what you're doing and you can rely on your instincts then you can play fast which is what you really want to do and so that they allowed them to do that. You know, when you've got 
push from BJR to Larry has been unbelievable. I mean, the kid's been, been, been like nothing else. That really helps, you know, your, your, your newbies because a couple of the sacks, there was guys open, but he just got there quicker and was allowed an opportunity to get a sack there and kind of bail out the, the DBs. But I think what also helps is you've got, you've had two weeks, um, obviously, T. Derek, Derek Stingley Jr., who, in my opinion, and many other opinions, is the best cornerback in college football. Um, he was obviously out for game one, and, you know, he came back, and, you know, I think this is an extra week off allowed some of these, after the fourth, so it allowed the defense, the defense to kind of readjust, and, you know, Derek Stingley, of course, is a guy that really just shut down that entire side of the field, so they really didn't pick on him at all, because he was just, you know, he's going to, he'll be in the top ten pick in the next year's draft, um, so naturally, when you got Elias Ricks on the other side, you're going to pick on the freshman who, at this point, is not a top ten pick in the NFL. And, um, when you get that many chances, Elias has not been perfect. He's made some freshman mistakes, but you know, you, you, you got to give him credit where credit is due. He picked off that ball, ran it back in the end zone, threw up the deuces like Cheetah. Um, it was uh, quite a display. So yeah, freshmen all over the field really making a big impact as well. And you know, special teams came through too. Trey Palmer, who was also a wide receiver, returned that punt return as well. So something else yeah kickoff returns yeah um i give a lot of credit to coach o for this game um obviously you know the a lot of scrutiny coming in um hearing a lot of stuff from the national media espn local media everything and he was able to keep this group together and have this type of performance i think that comes a lot of uh when it comes from the players a lot of trust in coach O. something that the cowboys don't have this year it looks like but um Um, let's go to the rest of the SEC. So Alabama is back to being Alabama. They're as dominant as ever. Is it back to being Alabama and the rest of the SEC? Yes, I think so. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, one, I did not expect Mac Jones, the quarterback for Alabama, to be as good as he is. The kids have been unbelievable. If you look at his statistics and kind of match it up to where. Joe Burrow was at this point last season. It's, it's, it's kind of eerie how close they are. That's how good that Mac Jones has been. And we, I mean, we talk about the offense putting up a lot of points, but God, we, we're not talking about Mac Jones. I think enough. He has been really special for Alabama this year. And you know, I thought there'd be a considerable drop off assuming they lose two Tonga by low, who's a great quarterback, but they have not skipped a beat. And actually, defense gets another year older. It's not the same Alabama defense as we've ever seen. Couple guys, but you know, they do have some experience there because it is Alabama. They retool. They've got five pro players all over the field. So, um, yeah, Alabama looks really good. And the only team left that would have a the ability to stop them would be Georgia, who they already played, and Alabama beat them pretty handily. Part of that's because they didn't have. You know, I, I don't think Georgia. Spencer Bennett, who came in for Georgia, has done a pretty good job, but I think he's not the best quarterback I've ever seen in the position. I mean, he, he kind of got thrown in there. He's a guy that you know, not ex- was not expected to play that much anyway. So um, <laughs> that's what kind of makes it an issue. But, yeah, I, I think that it is still Alabama and pretty much everywhere else. I think LSU's on the right track, and next year we'll be able to really make a run out of them. All these guys have another year under their belt. You know, the, the, the game this year, if the defense doesn't figure it out, probably won't be close, <laughs> unfortunately. But, yeah, right now it's Alabama – Everybody else, Florida's pretty good. Um, they obviously slipped up a couple of weeks ago, but you know it's Alabama. Everybody else kind of figure out from there. Yeah. So let's talk about the Jalen Waddle injury. So he suffers that devastating ankle injury. 
I believe that it's not going to affect them now because I think when they have when you have a Devontae Smith and you have a John Mechie and then you have other guys, it's Alabama. They have they have plenty of guys behind them. So I think they'll be fine in that area. It's only when they get to the playoff where I think it becomes a concern where they don't have Waddle. What do you think the effect of him not being in the lineup will have on this team going forward? Uh, honestly, I don't think it's going to be as big as, as, as people might think. I mean, Jalen Waddle is an unbelievable talent, one of the more explosive players in all of college football. And that injury is devastating just to that team. I mean, as a leader, just how explosive he is. But, I mean, like you said, Michi, they're, 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 they're wide receiver. I had never heard of him before this weekend. He went out there and balled out eight catches, had a whole bunch of yards. And I kept putting him in my highlights and I was cutting together because I was like, man, this kid has been unbelievable. So, I mean, and then you got Devontae Smith, who is a home run hitter, man. I mean, he's from Louisiana, I believe. And this kid has been, has been lights out in his, in his Alabama career. He could have gone to the NFL last year, but said, oh, I'm going to come back for another year and just kind of make this money and prove my draft stock. You know what I mean? And now he has a real chance to be able to do that in a, in a, in a way that he really didn't before. So, yeah, I think that windows get a little tighter in the playoffs. And, um, you know, the opportunity for teams to come in and play a little better uh, is there. But I think what helps Alabama is the fact that you know, we are almost to only the halfway point of the regular season in the SEC, which means that you know, over the course of the next five weeks before the SEC championship, they'll play off the tickets and they'll have plenty of time to be able to, I guess, improve their relationship with the wide receivers that are trying to fill in for Dan Obama. Because at the end of the day, it is Alabama. These guys that are coming in are five-star recruits. And, you know, it's, it's, the recruiting is going to be unbelievable regardless. And that's just kind of how the SEC shifted. I mean, there used to be a lot of defensive guys, and it is still a lot of defensive guys, but now you got to really try and find guys that can create some firepower if you want to win some games. And, you know, Alabama is recruiting these wide receivers that are unbelievable. So they'll be perfectly fine if they get position. I think they're the team to beat in the country. Um, Clemson obviously looks pretty good. And, you know, Ohio State look good in their first week. We'll see if they can be able to, I guess, get up and, and, and turn into the team that everybody thinks they're good. Yeah. Alabama's gone from a running team. Well, they play, they run the ball and they play defense to a quarterback and receiver school. I mean, they still, they still run the ball when you have Najee Harris and, and Robinson, but. Goodness gracious, Najee Harris is unbelievable. <laughs> he is unbelievable. I, his coming out party against LSU last year, I mean, that kid can ball. So even though that Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram won the Heisman, I think Najee Harris is the best running back of the Nick Saban era because I think he separates from those guys. So he runs fast and physical like those guys, but I think his ability to, to run routes and catch the ball really separates from them. I think, I mean, uh, I don't know if I'd agree just yet to say that he's the best wide receiver, I mean, excuse me, the best running back in the Nick Saban era just because, you know, he's been good. And he does separate himself in that regard, but I mean, the way that marking his direction was, and I mean, Derek Henry's obviously played really well in the NFL now, and he's looked good. I mean, I think at the end of the day, until I see him have that a couple more huge performances, but you're right, he does have a skill set that's a little bit different than those two guys. I think at the end of the day, the, the game has just kind of changed where you have to you have to have that ability at the running back position to, to, to really succeed and separate yourself. So, although I won't say he's the best at the moment, he's on track to becoming the best because that kid is special. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's talk about LSU's next opponent. They play Auburn 
they're three and two, but their uh, performances have been kind of up and down. And I think that's mainly due to the inconsistencies that they've had at the quarterback position from Bo Nix. Um, tell me your thoughts about this matchup. LSU has to feel pretty good about where they're going, right? I mean, they beat Aub- they beat uh, South Carolina this weekend, who did beat Auburn last weekend. And, you know, Auburn lost that. They probably should have lost the uh, Arkansas game a couple of weeks ago. And that bonus, uh, he threw the spike backwards. There should have been a oh, yeah, Arkansas was robbed. Arkansas to come down and win the game. Yeah. That's what, they got robbed in that game. And then if you look at this last game this weekend, I mean, they, they kind of they got cheated out of the – a, a win as well, considering that you know on that kickoff, their their kickoff man, uh, and it actually did touch the football, rolls into the end zone, and Ole Miss hops on top of it, and that should have been a touchdown, and they should have won that game. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, that's at least two wins where Auburn has kind of gotten lucky. They haven't looked very good, and Bo Nix, who is super volatile, is has been volatile. I mean, at the end of the day, they threw two picks against the South Carolina team. And now that, and at the end of the day, TJ Finley was the true best quarterback for one. And one of them, was, and it wasn't even the, the wrong decision. So, I mean, I think LSU has to be pretty well. And I think also what helps him is the fact that um, I'm not sure how many people are going to be in the crowd at Auburn, but it's not going to be full capacity, which at least will help a little bit more as well. And, you know, these DBs at LSU are pretty good. And, you know, I'm not super familiar with how much they, they, they have a running game, but Auburn, because of just how much they have to rely on both picks to throw the football. So um, I think LSU, it's, it's crazy just, just based on this weekend. If you had asked me, if you asked me after the Missouri loss, I'd say that Auburn game is going to be rough. But, you know, you get a week off because of the hurt of the, of the coronavirus outbreak of Florida, which I was another game. LSU fans thought there was no chance of winning. And, you know, as we go into this league against Auburn, we feel like it's totally changed. This team feels like they're on the right track. And the quarterback, the running back, the offensive line, everything is kind of clicking in a way it wasn't before. And then the defense seems to have made some sort of adjustments. And God, they need a lot of work. But at least they've shown that they have the ability to make some stops and make some work. Yeah. So Tennessee has gone back to being Tennessee. Bad quarterback play. And they're, they're, they're just another average team again. What do you – what do you think is going on there in Knoxville? The Warren Town is awful. Warren Town is terrible. And it's, it's, it sucks because he's been there for a while and he's a guy that you would expect to love from. But, man, he has looked bad. He's making throws that that you should not be making. Some of his interceptions look like stuff that high school kids would make the same decision, right? Like, I mean, you look and he's staring down at a receiver the entire time and still decides to throw it into double coverage. I mean, it's where he's just really, really missing throws. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I don't think it's their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt's fault. I think Pruitt is, uh, has done a good job of kind of getting Tennessee to a point where they're more competitive and at least, like, they're not going out there and getting ripped every day. It's mostly just a quarterback play. Unfortunately, they don't have a lot of experience behind Warren Tyler because I think they have a true freshman or at least a redshirt freshman, and he hasn't gotten a lot of snaps. So I really do think it's the quarterback position. Warren Tyler has not played well. He has not made good decisions. Unfortunately, no matter how good the rest of your team is, if your quarterback is not taking care of the football and throws a lot of interceptions and you need to make boneheaded plays, it's tough to, to really adjust to get the right to that, in that way. Okay. Um, Florida. You already you already talked about Florida. They haven't played in a couple of weeks now. Um, so before we talked about Mac Jones having that Joe Burrow type of season, season, Kyle Trask was having that type of season. Are they... Are they close to Alabama? Can they be competitive with them? Yes, I think they can. 
think they're the they're, they're the second best team in the SEC. Kyle Trask, uh, pretty good, pretty good player. That kid has been very good. I mean, he, he made one of his first ever starts against LSU, and, and nobody expected him to play as well as he did. Um, especially as a guy that really didn't play very much high school football. Kind of kind of just played his last year fairly. So he was like, yeah, let's take a shot and let it go. He has been really good. Um, their defense is good. They've got they've got some pretty good weapons, and I think the issue with that that uh, that Texas A and M game is one that they weren't. I mean, it sounds dumb, but I think they weren't ready for the amount of people that were in the stands at Texas A and M. It was kind of packed out. I mean, even in a, in a pandemic, yeah. it seemed like there was a lot of people there. It seemed to have some sort of effect. And then two, they didn't start very fast. And they made a comeback in that game, and they were able to score some points late and really make it close. And you know, if it wasn't for that last drive for Texas A&M, they probably, Florida probably would have won that game, and we'd be talking totally different about them. So um, I really do think that Florida has a really good opportunity to come out the East. I think they will. Um, it kind of depends on you know what, what that game looks like for, for, for Georgia. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I do think that they're really good. They have the opportunity to be really good. But by the time that LSU, I think really serious, LSU thought they pulled it playing them last weekend because if they had lost last weekend, they would have had three losses and things would look really bad. So they dodged that bullet. A lot of guys were actually banged up. And, you know, I think when they play Florida at the end of the season to make up that game, it's going to be a totally different story than what it was, I guess, if they had played this last week. Yeah. Well, Reggie, I want to thank you for hopping on the podcast today. Loved your input. I'll definitely be having you on in the future. Yeah, man. Have me on whenever you want, man. I've really enjoyed being on here. I mean, I'm excited to see where the rest of this college football season goes because, you know, it's it's shaping up to be a really good one. A lot of the conference-only players really made things interesting. I'm excited to talk about it all, man. So anytime you need me on, just have me on the podcast. I'd love to do it. I appreciate it, man.